This is a Sydney EO production. Welcome to episode 36 of the Australian Health and Safety Business Podcast. I'm Brendan Tarazzi, the host of the show, and today I'm joined with Scott Coleman from Preventure Live. Is it Preventure Live or just Preventure? The business. Uh, well, the company's Preventure. The yeah. app, I suppose, is Preventure.live. Yeah, well, that's what we do, I suppose. We collect data live. So, yeah, we've rolled with that. Fantastic. And so um, just before we started recording, you were saying that you've you've only just recently come back from the States where you were launching. Was it launching Preventure or, or you were, were building it up? Or Tell, tell yeah. us a bit about what yeah. you're up to. Well, all of, all of the above, really. So I went, um, I got offered a spot in an accelerator program over there, which was basically to, um, for companies who have traction, have a good, a good idea and a good product and want to take it to the world. And um, so this American accelerator brought us in. Um, so I spent three months or four months in the Bay Area meeting investors, but also getting my head around the US um, OHS environment and legislation and and getting a few miles underway. And we actually had a trial lined up with the Denver City firefighters, which was really exciting. And then and then COVID hit. And so um, I pulled up stumps and, and got out of there as quick as possible because I could see the writing on the wall. Um, yeah. And- yeah, yeah. Thank God we did. We we got back, um, and now we're riding out the storm in Sydney, and and um, still getting the. Pro- I mean, we've actually taken this opportunity to build new features. Yeah. So it's it's been do it's a bit been, of do a bit of housekeeping while you've got some extra time to do the things that you're not normally doing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, what, so yeah. what? Just curiously, what was the name of the accelerator program? It was called Launch. Launch. So okay. Yeah, Jason Calacanis, who's a bit of a um, uh, he's he calls himself the LeBron James of um angel investing. So that sort oh, of tells wow. you what sort of is. Yeah. And, and so, is there a cost uh, involved to get involved with the program like that, or how do, how does that how do they recruit, you know, new startups and and that sort of thing? Well, they're always looking. Yeah. Um, and so they reached out to me first of all to be involved they had a launch with in combination with new south wales government they had what they called launch fest sydney okay. uh, in july last year so they reached out to me to be a part of that because they wanted startups up on stage and pitching and all that sort of thing and then off the back of that they said well yeah you're good enough to come over to the us and and join our accelerator yeah um that involved 100 100k um investment as well so they invested in the company and Oh and right, so they're it. they're really putting their money where their mouth is. If they think you've got a good idea, they're they're funding you to come on over and try and get it started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, accelerators over there are, are a numbers game. So they of know course. for every hundred every hundred startups, one might be a what they call a unicorn, and yeah. um, and that's just how they play the game. So um, we obviously fit their criteria, and we're one of the hundred, and hopefully we'll be the one unicorn. <laughs> Fantastic. So I think we better rewind a little bit and just tell everybody what Preventure does. Like, what's your what is your technology? Yeah, or even how how I even got to be here speaking to you today. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Well, give us a quick overview of the technology, and then we'll we'll rewind a bit further and and uh, see your background, how you got into it. Yeah, yeah, perfect. So so basically, we use wearable technology and data analysis to prevent workplace injury. Um, so at the end of the day. You know, five years ago when I entered the health and safety space, I noticed that there was 
the majority of injury prevention involved observation and opinion. And I was coming from an elite sports background where elite sports physio background where injuries were prevented using data. Observation and opinion formed a small piece of the puzzle. Whereas, whereas health and safety, where you're protecting the lives of individuals and their, their ability to support their families, there was minimal data. It was a lot of observation, opinion and subjective information behind these programs. So, so we started using, there was a couple of wearable devices in the workplace at the time, but they were too expensive. The, the data that came from them, while I loved them being a science nerd, the health and safety community couldn't use it. Mm-hmm. So I worked in-house for Aon for a while um, mm-hmm. to understand the needs of the stakeholders and that that enabled me to get the knowledge and get the team to build what we have now, which is basically two small sensors, one that sits on the upper back um, to identify lower back injury risk and another one that sits on the upper arm of the worker to identify shoulder injury risk because we know they're the most expensive um, and they're the most frequent musculoskeletal injuries, but they're also the most likely to re-injure. So, um, so yeah, that, that's how we sort of got to where we are now. And now the goal is to make it as cost effective as possible. So we're constantly refining it to, to hopefully get it to the point where every employer can afford it, whether they're just a local mechanic all the way through to multi, um, multinational mining companies and, and everyone in between. So, so it's different because as you're explaining the technology, I'm thinking, why couldn't you just put it on an iPhone? But I, I guess you're not going to get the contour or movement of the body. Is that, is that the idea of the sensors? Yeah. Exactly. And early on, um, we were using what we call the data gateway. So the sensors would send information to a little device on the worker's belt, and yep. then that would then send it to the cloud for analysis. Okay. But we found the, the workers were, were feeling like their movements were being measured and the data was just being sent to their boss. So right. that's where we incorporated the smartphone. That's where, like you say, the, the iPhone and the Android phones are little computers. So that's where we um, built an app. So the data goes to the app. The worker feels like they've control because it's their app, it's their phone. Yeah. But it's their it's their app that they've signed into. So it's their account. The data goes to them, and okay. then they decide if to de-identify it. But at the end of the day, we're trying to improve the lives of the workers. So if the worker has the account, they get the information and they benefit from it. That's yeah. what we want at the end of the day. Yeah. So it helps. It helps uh, like on an individual basis, but then it's a bit like a lot of the software. Um, providers where you know if there's a bug you can choose to send the data does is that i mean that's a bit of a simplistic view but is that sort of what happens like Present, how, yeah we, how, how do you get how do you get the big data to to help companies i guess yeah so that's where the dashboards at all the data goes into the database where we the algorithms are used to provide high level information for the employers and this is early on when i was at aon i was doing really detailed analysis because that's what the athletes needed that's what the coaches and the sports teams needed and so i remember the very first um the very first report i delivered was for a large australian healthcare provider and i remember delivering these results thinking this is going to knock their socks off i this is the greatest thing ever because this is what coaches love and this is what athletes love and at the end of it, they all just looked at each other and said, well, this is a waste of money. This is a waste of time. This is, we don't understand any of it. So oh, wow. point, I just had to, and, and it's been a five-year journey. I've just tweaked it and then got feedback and simplified it and got it to the point now where there's a dashboard where someone can log in and straight away see which tasks have a high risk and what can be done about it and which individual workers have a high injury risk and what they, and the, then they can put their effort into reducing that risk mm. for those individuals 
So if I'm a user, am I going to notice the sensors on me? Like, are you are you conscious that they're there, or is it one of those things that it's a bit like wearing a watch and you forget about it over time? Well, there is a well, actually, yeah, a lot of a lot of the workers who do wear it end up um, forgetting to take them off at the end of the day. So yeah, yeah that you you do you don't notice them when they're on. Yeah, there is an alert, so you can set all, you can set the um, app to provide alerts. So mm. for feedback for return to work, if an injured worker is returning to their full duties, they can get an alert when they move in a way that's a high injury risk or a high load. Uh, same thing. We're trying. We're building now a manual handling training program where worker wears the sensors for five days, first mm. two days, like a baseline period where we just collect data mm. and that determines what training modules they receive. But then also the end, the second half of the week, they receive alerts. And the reason or the, the purpose being the alerts prompt them to stop, think about what they're doing, think about the training modules they've done and then move in a way that reduces the injury risk. So yeah. that's that behavior change model that we've created. Oh, that's a, that sounds really cool. So, have you got um, have you got Australian companies out there using it at the moment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we launched we launched the actual product May last year. Yeah, and that was that was two basic features. One, which is a task assessment where a health and safety professional will put the sensors on a worker, and then use their smartphone to collect the data and collect video. So that's used for training. That's used for task assessments to see whether tasks can be reviewed to reduce the risk yeah the, the second feature is the movement coach feature which i just explained where workers can get feedback through their phone throughout their shift yeah and so you were saying that you're a physio and um involved like a sports physio what made you take that next step like if yeah, you yeah you, you had did you say you had a 15 year career in um sports physio before you started this yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I had a, a seven-year uni degree, uh, uni career, first of all. So I did sports science, focusing more on movement analysis and biomechanics and the physics, and mm. and then on to do physio as well. And then, off the back of that, I, the focus was always movement analysis for injury prevention with athletes. So at the end of the day, if you can measure the demands of the sports, whether it be the training load or the competitive load, measure the capacity of the athlete to withstand those demands, hmm. if they're equal, the athlete shouldn't get injured. Yeah. So there's so, so, so much research showing that all you got to do is measure the capacity of the athlete, the demands of what they're doing, and if it's matched, they don't get injured. And so that, so I did that for 15 years with um, Queensland Academy of Sport. I was at the AIS in Canberra for a while. Um, Athletics Australia is where I finished up. I did some work with rowing as well. But in the end, um, what I realized was, it was an injury sustained by my mother who was working as a nurse that opened my eyes to the lack of data used or the, the lack of effective injury prevention programs mm. in the workplace. So she was a nurse. Her injury prevention program was a safe lifting manual that she was shown when she started 20 years prior. And, that was it. <laughs> and then there she is as a 60 odd year old lifting a patient who'd fallen on the ground. And she ended up having to have seven levels of a spine fused. And so seeing how the, imp the, well, the, the financial, the emotional, the physical impact of that injury on her and our family, I just thought, well, look, while I'm having a pretty big impact on these athletes, it's not it's not really doing something good for the, the greater community. Mm. There's so many are going through what we went through. So I thought, well, it's pretty easy to transition the technology and the knowledge and the method used to protect athletes 
it's easy to transition that across to the workplace, and that's that's what we've done. Now you keep saying we. Is there another another business partner involved, or is it you and your team, oh. or what's the structure of your of Preventure? Yeah, I wish there was a partner, but it's it's me sort of behind it all. We've got um, we've got two software developers who are brilliant. They I, I don't understand what they do. The, the mm. black screen, coloured writing, but they make the magic happen behind the for the app and the dashboard. And then we've got our client engagement team. So they're the ones who are out there making sure that everyone using it is using it to the best um, ability, but also getting feedback. We, we never, from day one, we never wanted to just build a product and throw it out there and make money. We wanted to build a solution. And if we don't listen to the people using it and keep refining what we're doing, then we're not, you know, we're wasting our time. So, and that's, and that's why our investors have, have backed us because we're not just out there trying to, to um, like I said before, you know, in America, when I was over there, it's all just people, entrepreneurs trying to make a startup and become millionaires and just walk away. And they're the ones who aren't passionate about the cause and passionate about the solution. And so for us, as soon as we got out there, people saw how we were trying to solve a problem in a, in a unique way. Mm. Uh, using technology and and that's why they're backing us and that's all, also why a lot of companies are um are also trusting us to to implement our technology with their workers uh, a bit of a bit of a random question you might not know the answer straight off the top of your um straight away but do you know what it costs companies like say if you have an injured worker like you're talking about your mum and you know in the healthcare system and she gets injured and she's out of work any idea what it costs companies when that happens because obviously there's the emotional costs for the family and all of that but what's the hard cost for the or the soft costs for businesses when, when well, the direct costs, yeah the direct cost according to um the latest stats from work cover and work safe and, and the government it's 30 to 35k per musculoskeletal injury right. so that's not no mental health that's your backs and shoulders and knees and <clears> ankles <throat> and that's sort of thing. so 35k but that's the direct cost the indirect cost is huge you know like you say there's the impact to the individual Individual worker, there's yeah. the likelihood of re-injury, um, and so it's yeah. But, but the thing that frustrates me the most is musculoskeletal injuries are 100% avoidable if they're managed. If you, like I said before, if you measure the demands of the tasks, the capacity of the worker to perform the tasks, they shouldn't get injured. There's always accidents and slips, trips, and falls, and that sort of thing. But your repetitive loading and your body stressing injuries should never happen. Yeah, and that's right. what we're trying. Trying to, we're trying to get rid of those body stressing injuries. And so, do you find that companies are typically calling you up after they've had a an accident or an injury, or are there, or is it a balance of people being preventative versus you know reactive? Yeah, usually, pretty much every company that's using our technology has known about the problem for a long time and has tried other solutions that have failed. So, okay. musculoskeletal costs have been a burden for a while and they've been looking for solutions they've tried different training different injury prevention techniques and different having physios on site and and all these other quite expensive um and costly ways of trying to prevent injuries and so they've reached out to us and say well come on let's see what you can do let's see if you can use technology to help us and um and they've all been quite quite surprised at first of all how effective it is but secondly how cost effective it is as well yeah so how long does a program typically go for? Well, we try to keep it going on. on Ongoing. Definitely. Yeah. 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 So once the workers have the app on their phone, 
you can send safety information to them and safety training modules and refreshers. You can send that through constantly. So once a month or once every two months, but then once a year or once every six months, we're finding um, the workers wear the sensors for five days in a row. And that way they get their manual handling training over those five days. But yeah. also the data collected is perfect for monitoring them over time. And they can see if over time they are, their physical capacity is decreasing with age and they, whether they need more, um, more support. And have you got any, like, I don't know how you would measure the results, but have you, have you done any case studies or? Res- yeah, we've got a lot of, a lot of short-term case studies on tasks, assessments and evaluations. Yeah. Um, so for example, uh, Melbourne airport, they, um, safe work gave them a breach notice in the bag room, uh, for manual hazardous manual handling for the, the, um, baggage handlers. Mm. And, um, and they basically said you need to put in a manual handling aid to reduce the physical load on the baggage handlers. And so they installed a, a bunch of different devices and they brought us in to collect data from the workers using all the different devices. First of all, to see what the physical demands were per bag. But then we suggested, why don't we collect data over five hours and see what that shows? And what it did show was that over five hours, the most efficient way to move bags was the way they're doing it simply grabbing them and throwing them because the workers had been become accustomed to that. When they start using different pieces of equipment, it introduced all of these different loads. So while there was a vacuum lifter, for example, so the vacuum lifter reduces the vertical, the gravity, it reduces the weight of the bag, but all of a sudden the workers were getting stiff wrists and stiff elbows because of the use of the machine, the, those handles that you had to pull, you had to lift the machine up above higher than you would normally. And so, um, so collecting data enables those insights, especially over a five-hour period. So that, that was a really good case study. So in the end, Melbourne Airport stuck with the current baggage room. The workers were happy as well. They didn't want to use all of these other devices that took longer and, and increased stress and strain in other areas. So um, that was a good one. And there's been other ones. Yeah, one warehouse, this was a long time ago, one warehouse introduced safety knives um, to prevent workers from getting cuts. What they found was these knives were getting caught on the cardboard. So all of a sudden, while they weren't, the risk of cuts wasn't the case anymore. There was all, all this arm jarring because these knives were getting caught. So wrist, elbow, shoulder injuries were the injury risk had increased. So once we showed the data, they went back to normal knives and said, you know, basically be be more careful to avoid cuts rather than use safety knives and put load on your wrists and ankles, wrists and elbows and shoulders. Oh, that's really cool. That's really cool. So the business model is what they the customers pay a, like a monthly subscription fee or is it a per user fee or how does all that work? Yeah, we have an initial setup fee now um, to help compile safety training data. Yeah. So we, we found early on we were trying to build a platform that enabled people to do it themselves. But in the end, we've decided that people want what well, we haven't decided, people have said, they want that sports science expertise on top of it. They want that extra layer of knowledge and data analysis. And so we have an initial setup cost to um, to put together the training packages and to put together reports. But then it's $5 per worker for all, a maximum $5 per worker per month, but it goes down to almost $2.50 per worker per month, depending on the size of the organization. All right. Well, that's, that's really affordable when you think about what it's going to cost if you have one injury. Yeah, exactly. So it's a good good return on investment. 
Yeah, and that's and that's why people, that's why people are opening their doors to us because, you know, unfortunately, health and safety budgets are always quite tight. Um, and so if they can get as much as possible for their limited budget, then they're happy. Yeah, for sure. So what's the plans from here? So obviously we've paused a bit at the moment with um, with COVID and borders closing and all of that. Um, where, where are you going to take Preventure in the sort of very short-term future? Um, at the moment, like I said, we're, we're building new features where um, – we're constantly refining what we've got, but the goal is still to get over to the US, um, get some investment there and, and launch on a bigger scale um, and grow. Because like I said, at the end of the day, we want to try to protect as many workers as possible. Um, and the best way to do that is unfortunately to go over to the US, get some US investment and then um, and then grow, get a bigger team and get the sensors on as many workers as possible. So is the investment for mainly for um, like sales and marketing or is it, is it actually investment for improving the technology or is it a combo of both? Yeah, it's a combo of both. So we want to get um, research-based partnerships. So we want to get some affiliations with universities. We've already done some work with the University of Canberra to validate what we've got now, but we want to have a long-term relationship with a with a university for trialling new products, refining the technology. We want to have um, connections with sporting bodies so that we can actually have sports-based ambassadors because we know a lot of blue-collar workers, they, they love their sport. And if an athlete, especially in America, one of the first things I learned over there is if an athlete tells someone to do it, then nine times out of ten, they, they listen and they do it. And so if we're trying to reduce injury risk in the workplace and these athletes promoting it, then there's more likely that there's going to be bigger engagement. So there's that sort of component as well. Uh, but yeah, but it's mostly sort of building out the the um, engagement sales marketing teams. And is this your first foray into business, like your own business? Yeah, pretty much. I had a small uh, of a physio practice on the Gold Coast for five years. Uh, worked sort of in combination with private practice and um, and at the Queensland Academy of Sport. Um, and that that was all right. It was again, I the business side of things. I don't enjoy so much. It's just for that in that particular um, situation, I just love treating the patient. So I, I had a business coach do a lot of the a lot of the business growth sides mm. of things. However, um, now I've been thrown right in the thick of things, and and I'm, I'm starting to enjoy. I'm listening to a lot of podcasts, business entrepreneur podcasts, business growth podcasts, and learning learning very quickly. Um, but I mean, it, it's funny at the end of the day, like with with business, you've just got to build what the customers need yeah. <laughs> so many people i remember early on i um actually when i went to aon i i met with um a really well-known um uh director she she was from a marketing background and she was like a director on heaps of companies like i net net rma and and i said All right i've got to learn to be a salesperson and she sort of said to me well hang on what do you do as a physio if someone walks into the practice do you say right before you say anything, I've got the best shoulder treatment for you. You're going to love this shoulder treatment. Come in and we are going to give you this shoulder treatment. You're going to be so happy. Yeah. You don't. You wait. You listen. You ask what their problem is. Yeah. And then you use what you've got to solve their problem. Yeah. And so I've just taken that to this business. And it's like, well, what are all the problems we're trying to solve? Let's use what we've got to solve these problems. Uh, yeah. And for all the stakeholders as well, not not just the employer, not just the worker, but the insurer, the government. The, yeah, it's um. There's a lot of stakeholders in workplace injury prevention. 
Absolutely. Okay, Scott, well, we're going to wrap up the interview now. I've just got five short questions to ask you. Um, first of all, how old are you? <laughs> I'm 44, but I feel about 64. Okay, and then um, how many hours sleep are you getting each night? <laughs> that might be might, might be one of the reasons, but... <laughs> no, 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 no. I make sure I get seven hours sleep every night because, um, yeah, back from the when I was doing a lot of rowing and triathlon, I, I realised pretty quickly if you don't let your body recover then yeah. you can't perform mentally physically and then what do you like to do to keep fit uh the moment i surf it keeps me sane i uh, i mean i've got a background in in ironman triathlon but that just takes up way too time too much time and and actually i'm to be honest to be running a business and an entrepreneur and and even in the health and safety space you got to put all your effort in it to make it to make a difference Mm. So I make it work. So all of my time and effort's going into that and I surf to keep saying and play with the kids. Yeah. And then um, do you have any personal goals you're looking to achieve in the next 12 months? Uh, the next 12 months personal goals? Yeah, I'd say it would be to get that serious traction in the US. Yeah. I mean, it's unfortunately, my personal goals are my business goals. <laughs> and that's just unfortunately the way it is at the moment. Um, yeah. But yeah, try, obviously, I'm mean, trying to surf more, but that's going to help me achieve the business goal because it's yeah, better for the mind and soul and body. And then finally, um, if you could be remembered for one thing in business, uh, what would your legacy piece be? I'd like the company to be remembered, not me personally. So I'd like the company to be remembered as the one company that really took technology to the workplace to have a real impact on the workers' lives. Oh, that's brilliant. Uh, and finally, if people want to find out a little bit more about Preventure, what's your website? Yeah. You, there? you there, Scott? Sorry, I just cut out a little bit then. Yeah, no, a call came through. Sorry about that. Uh, uh, yeah, just what's your website, mate? Uh, preventure.live. Fantastic. All right, Scott, thanks very much for coming on the show today. Brendan, thank you so much for having me. I, I had fun. 